0: He made us laugh, hard, every time you saw him, on television, movies, nightclubs, arenas, hospitals, homeless shelters for our troops overseas, and even in a dying girl's living room for her last wish. He made us laugh, big time. I spent many happy hours with Robin on stage. I mean, the brilliance was astounding. The relentless energy was kind of... Thrilling. I used to think if I could just put a saddle on him and stay on for eight seconds, I was going to do okay. Robin Whoopi and I once were in um, Shea Stadium in the broadcast booth with the great Tim McCarver. It was Comic Relief Day for the New York Mets, and Robin knew nothing about baseball. I asked him, what's your favorite team, and he said, the San Francisco's. So he was a little lost in the conversation, so I got an idea, and I said, you know, Tim, we have a great Russian baseball player with us. And I looked over, his eyes got all bright, his ears perked up, It was like he was a little dog that was inside all day, and the master came and said, hey, you wanna go for a walk? So I said, what's baseball like in Russia? Without missing a beat, he said, well, we only have one team, the Reds. <laughs> well, the next pitch, the batter fouled went off, it came screaming back at us, we ducked down, it slammed against the wall, Robin turned around and bounced into his hands and he stood up and screamed, I love America, I'm gonna defect. (laughs) He could be funny anywhere. We were such close friends. He would come to all of our great family functions, weddings, bar mitzvahs, that kind of thing. And he would sit with my older immigrant relatives, like he was one of the guys. And he would tell them about his journey from his little shtetl in Poland to America. (laughs) One uncle of mine said, I came to America after World War II and I hitchhiked. And Robin said, I waited till there was a 747 and a kosher meal. <laughs> well, as genius as he was on stage, he was the greatest friend you could ever imagine. Supportive, protective, loving. It's very hard to talk about him in the past because he was so present in all of our lives for almost 40 years. He was the brightest star in a comedy galaxy. But while some of the brightest of our celestial bodies are actually extinct now, their energy long since cooled, but miraculously, because they float in the heavens so far away from us now, their beautiful light will continue to shine on us forever. And the glow will be so bright, it'll warm your heart It'll make your eyes glisten and you'll think to yourselves, Robin Williams, what a concept.
1: Welcome to Wilhelm. I am your host, Ben Beck. And on this episode, get ready to embark on a journey through the cinematic brilliance of one of the most iconic entertainers of our time. That's right. We're diving into the world of laughter, heart, and boundless creativity as we discuss our top five favorite Robin Williams movies. Uh, from his uproarious comedies to soul-stirring dramatic performances, he left an indelible mark on the world of entertainment. And we're, we're putting this episode out on the Anniversary of his passing. So, the, what a better way to kind of pay tribute. Um, so, whether you're a fan of, you know, the genie's magical antics or his heartfelt performances that showed his incredible range, this episode is sure to be a roller coaster of emotion, memories, and maybe even a few surprises in our choices. Uh, so, settle in, get ready to celebrate the cinematic genius of Robin Williams. For that, I need a guest. Uh, He is a fellow enthusiast of all things pop culture. Uh, He's the main voice behind the mic and the creator of the Podcastica Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Wellhelm, my friend, Jason Kabassi.
2: Good morning, everyone. Everyone. (laughs)
1: Um, I'm so happy we we were able to make this work because we've been talking about doing this episode for a, a year or two. I think. That's
2: right. I mean, when you first started, Wilhelm, and you came up with like a 100,000 different ideas of <laughs> topics to do, and you made a big list, and um, you showed it to a few of us asking us which ones we were interested in, and the ones that popped out for me right away were uh, Steve Martin, which we did last year, mm-hmm. and Robin Williams. And I knew that Robin Williams was like the, the big one for you, Yeah. And so yeah. I'm honored that you let me do it with you. Thank you. Yeah, that, not so, at
1: all. I knew, you, you know, one of the reasons why it took us so long to do this was because of the fact that, you know, there's that short about a month and I think it's maybe about three or f- three weeks, uh, which is that time period between the date his birthday, which is July 21st and the date of his passing, which is August 11th. Yeah. So I kind of wanted it to fall within there. And it just so happened that this year. Uh, the anniversary of his passing happens on a Friday, which is usually when I release episodes. So it kind of it just worked out this year that
2: mm-hmm. this is the but year we we're know gonna we're going to be doing it for like two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And my top five changed every day of those two years. It just. Um, every
2: minute.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, God, it's I mean, because even even like like my, my mother was here the other day and I was telling her and she's like, well, what do you have in your top five? And I read them and she's like, well, what about this one? I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah, like, what about that one? <laughs> she's like, and then there's that one. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that yeah. one.
2: You don't so, want to leave. That's the problem when you really love a lot of things. You don't want to leave any of them out. Yeah. So <laughs> it's this is I had really- a trouble too. like I my 2 and 3 I could I couldn't decide which one to put at 3 and which one 2 I knew my number 1 but I still don't know for sure if I have the right order it's not <laughs> that it matters that much
1: no I I feel the same way I have like my number 1 I feel like is pretty solid it's the one that first came to my list and I kind of haven't questioned but mm-hmm. the my 2 through 5 and my honorable mentions I literally could just put them in a hat shake them up and let them fall and be like yeah that that seems right That's just as good. And then put them back in a hat. Do it again in whatever order they pop. Yeah, yeah, that seems right too. Like
2: it's
1: (laughs) so it's it's uh, most difficult ones.
2: I mean, I know this is. I think this is (laughs) the one that you care the most about. Would you say that's true, or? I mean, I don't know. I
1: I think. I think it's. I don't. I
2: don't want to say it's the
1: episode I, I care most about because I, I care about all the episodes
2: that I do. But yeah, I think this you're, is... you're the biggest Robin Williams fan I know, and and I wonder if you could say a little bit about why, what it is about him.
1: Uh yeah. I mean, it's. It, it, <clears throat> I don't really know if I have a one hundred percent reason. It's just I think his. I I first discovered his comedy when I was younger and. I'll talk a little bit more about that as I'm getting into my top five as well, but um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I just always felt like his comedy was something that I I really drew to, and then the older I got and the more I discovered more dramatic roles, I fell into them, and then I started more, and the older I got. The more i learned more about robin the person and his generosity and his charity and and then even the deeper moments as i got older and started dealing with depression and anxiety and learning that he was going through the same things Mm -hmm. and i felt a lot of reflection if that makes Mm -hmm. sense in kind of lifestyle somebody who was very troubled on the inside and was going through a lot of issues on the inside but no matter what on the outside was always there to kind of make people feel better always put other people's happiness kind of first. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of reflected in a lot of that.
2: And and uh, you know what else just going through, I know we'll talk more about this, but there's a theme to a lot of his movies about uh, attacking life with passion and not just mm-hmm. conforming or being dull or accepting what's given to you, you know, just really seizing the day. And um yeah. And I can see that you do that in your life too. Like you, you'll take big swings and take risks and be ambitious and all those kinds of things, you know?
1: Y- yeah, I mean, and one of the reasons why, You know kind of again since this is a little bit of a tribute to the anniversary of his passing you know one of the things that one of the reasons why his death hit me as hard as it did not just because of the fact that we were losing somebody incredible um you know somebody who entertained and somebody who i've watched and looked at as a hero pretty much my entire life Uh, you know i saw somebody beforehand who kind of had his demons faced his demons and overcame them and then when you get that moment where you realize he didn't overcome his demons, yeah. they kind of got the better of him. I mean, there were other issues. There were there, there was ongoing disease that was that was happening that kind of played a, a major part in it. Right. But even still, like I felt like looking at someone who overcame his demons, I overcame my demons and now all of a sudden, well, wait a minute, if this man couldn't break free from his demons, what does that mean about myself and you know, now I kind of I don't mean that in a dark sense is like I've I don't think I've overcome my demons. I've I'm I know I have I've I still fight with depression and anxiety as do so many other people. But it's mm-hmm. I don't let it get the better of me. And, you know, so it, it it kind of struck me a little bit and knocked me down a little bit when he passed.
2: Absolutely. And, me too. And and floored. how he passed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I put I put a little thing in Walking Dead cast at the end. I forget. What, I think it was probably a song from Popeye or something, just in tribute. Like I, I've always liked him too, and and I was bummed about that. I'm sure we all were.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, there have been celebrity deaths who have hurt, you know, that have definitely hurt and impacted me. Um, but Robbins was the one where I remember where I was at when I found out. Uh, I was home from work for maybe I had maybe been home for about a half hour when the news broke and I was so glad I wasn't at work with when, <laughs> the, when the news broke because I would have been it, I was inconsolable when it happened mm-hmm. and so many people in my life know how much Robin impacted me that I had uh, the day the day the news broke I had um, an ex fiance reach out to me who I hadn't spoken to in over a decade and she
2: mm-hmm. messaged
1: me on Facebook just to see if I was okay. Because nice. I was the first person she thought of.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I mean, and and still to this day, like I I do it every year on the day, on the anniversary of his birthday, I change my profile picture to a picture of Robin. It stays that way until the anniversary of his passing. Mm-hmm. And I constantly have people post stuff on my page like, hey, have you seen this? And have you seen this? And I've seen most of it now at this point. <laughs> but I still love it. I still love when people do it because it just reminds me of him. Mm-hmm. So, but what about you? I mean, you were you wanted to do this episode from the beginning mm-hmm. as well. Like, what did Robin mean to you? Like, why did why was this episode so important for you to do with me?
2: Uh yeah, he was definitely one of uh, of those many, many ideas that you had that stood out, one of the, the ones I really wanted to do um when i was a kid in the 70s my favorite show was happy days and i would watch it every tuesday at 8 p.m without fail and that was where robin williams made his debut as mork for mork Mm -hmm. and he came on and he uh bullied fonzie (laughs) 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 and he was hilarious and i was like what is going on with this guy and then he got his show mork and mindy and i saw every episode of that and he was just a whirlwind like whoa what is this guy is incredible he did so much improv on there and uh you could tell people just would stand back and let him do his thing so um i i loved him and then and then i watched every time he had a movie out i wanted to see what he would do next um i don't know it's just he has this vibe of not just this energy and creativity that just pours out of him. But you can tell he wants to make people happy and he's, uh, he wants to find things that are under the surface, you know, that he wants to find the authenticity and just, he really brings out, the same thing I, I kind of try to do, not just the BS um, going through the motions stuff, but what's really going on kind of, but but in a in a fun way, you know? I, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense, but it, I, I really, as we were watching these, as I'm watching, re-watching a lot of his movies, I see a theme, the kind of roles that he's drawn to are the kind where he's the character just kind of coaching people, hey, don't just go through life with uh like a zombie fucking live it you know be yeah. real uh but touch people be vulnerable take risks and i think he did that in his own life in a way that uh sparked people you know that really got them laughing or thinking or feeling and i i so admire that
1: yeah yeah as do i i mean and you know again he's somebody who i don't I, I'm not somebody who has heroes in my life. Like I don't call my father, my hero for a whole different reason, um, <laughs> I, you know, but Robin was the exception to that. He literally, he legitimately was my hero. So yeah, I was, I, and he will, but he still is, I, even though he's gone, he, he still is my hero. I, I, I still try to emulate a lot of what he did in, in things now. And I've had, you know, over I've had the, the distinct pleasure of a couple guests that I've had on this podcast in the past who have worked with him and have shared stories with me. Oh, cool! And I love that. Uh, Greg Proops from "Whose Line Is It Anyway?" Uh, I got to hang out with him backstage at one of one of his shows, and he told me stories about working with Robin because they both did stand up in San Francisco. Uh, I I spoke with uh, just recently Bill Farmer who does the voice of Goofy for Disney. Uh, they both got their Disney Lifetime Awards in the same ceremony, so he was sharing pictures of with me of him and Robin together at the ceremony, and it's so, so cool. Yeah, I've had some pretty cool experiences. I've I had the I saw him do stand up twice, nice. which I I'm so happy I got the opportunity to do that. Hell yeah! So, um. Yeah, you know, what? I'll tell this quick story, then we'll go into the top five. Um, I remember I I was seeing this girl a number of years ago, and my mother got me tickets to a show at a theater here in the Philly area that's actually no longer around called Tower. And she's like, you have to. She's like, I get you tickets to a show. She's like, it's on this date. Your girlfriend has the tickets. She's like, it's a surprise. She's like, you can't. She like, promised me you won't look up in the papers or whatever to see what the show is. She's like, just <laughs> promise like promise me. I'm like, I-, I promise. And I remember getting in the car with her and then with my girlfriend at the time and driving and pulling up on the same street as the Tower Theater and seeing on the marquee Robin Williams live. And I was, like, you've got to be fucking shitting me because i had no idea idea? i had no idea he was doing stand up (laughs) again i had no idea um and we were third row from the stage wow and it was incredible and then when he (laughs) and then he came back um he came back again like four or five years later so i was like yeah i gotta go see him again so yeah, it was a, super cool, amazing that I got to see
2: him. That's movie. yeah, like okay. I think about oh, I missed Prince, you know, yeah. And Robin Williams is one of those too. If I could go back in time, I'd go to one of his sets.
1: And I have both of those those shows that he did on um, that they, they were. It was during the time where HBO would always do like those stand up specials. Specials. Yeah. So they would do the tour, and then the tour was always the warm up for the HBO special. Um, and that's what it was. It was basically the tour was the warm up and then it ended with the HBO special like on Broadway and wherever. So I have those on blue, on DVD somewhere, too, just to remind me of those specials. So, um, but let's dive in to our top five favorites and, of course, some honorable mentions at the end uh, Most people know at this point, there's always a chance of spoilers because we're going to talk about these movies a little bit. So if you haven't seen them, we apologize for the spoilers ahead of time. But let's be real. This is Robin Williams. You've probably seen most of, if not all of these movies that we're going to talk about. Uh, And then again, at the end, we'll do some honor. We'll do some quick honorable mentions as well. But I'm going to kick it over to you to to start us off with this one. Uh, Top five favorite Robin Williams movies. What are you starting off with for number five?
2: My number five is "Good Morning Vietnam." Okay, which came out in '87, directed by Barry Levinson, who did Rain Man among others. Um, set in Saigon during the Vietnam War, loosely based on radio DJ Adrian Cronauer. Um, but what really stands out about it for me is I, I like I, I think about Robin Williams and um, Jim Carrey. Similarly, in a way, because their stand-up, they're very zany and just expressive, and sometimes the characters in their movies are like that too. But I like when it, it, comedic actors like this can play a role and give it a lot of uh, humanity, you know, and play it real, like mm-hmm. not get the goofiness out. But also, if they can also have that zany quirkiness that makes sense for the character you know then it's double great and that's what this movie did you know there's a couple others like that for robin williams too but because he was a radio dj who was really good at comedy he got to just kind of go on the mic and be himself and i from what i understand almost everything he said during the scenes where he was on mic was improvised by robin williams yeah
1: i've seen a lot of behind (laughs) the scenes of good morning vietnam and there are Um, Yeah, there's a there's a number of outtakes of that because it's exactly what you said. They would basically just kind of let go of the leash and let the dog play in the yard um, (laughs) a little bit. You can't
2: really go wrong with that. You're going to get some gold there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, And yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of that movie as well, because he he had done some dramatic work before that. And there's a lot of comedy in good morning Vietnam, especially the moments when he's on the microphone and he's kind of just going off on his own and doing all that. Yeah. Improv. But there's a lot of dr- drama that yes. happens in that because of where it's set in the war.
2: And yeah. That, That's the thing know. about that movie, the juxtaposition of him and his comedy with the seriousness and the bloodiness and awfulness. And it kind of, I mean, one of the things that stands out to me is that song, uh, it's Louis Armstrong's um, what is it? What a wonderful, wonderful world. world. Yeah. A, and it's such a nice, pretty song about how nice everything is set to explosions and people dying in Vietnam. And that's kind of like what the movie is. It's him spreading joy and hope in this hellish place. And these two totally different flavors coming together. It, and that's, what's so great about his character in the movie. Everybody else are a lot. I mean, there's a, a lot of, his movies have a stick in the mud that tried to tamp him down. And this one had a couple of those, but um, it's like, no man, these soldiers, they want to be inspired. They want to not have to just be in hell all the time, have a little bit of light in there too. And that's Mm -hmm. what he provided to them. And the scene where he's kind of given up because they've shut him down one time too many and he's ready to quit. And then his buddy, uh, who's the guy that Forrest Whitaker, private Edward garlic takes him uh, in between. There's all these trucks filled with soldiers that are about to go off to war. And he's like, Hey, can you, do you know who we have here? It's Adrian Cronauer. And they're like, what? No, say good morning, Vietnam. And he's like, no, no. And they're like, come on. Good morning, Vietnam. And they're like, Woo. and then he starts just doing a comedy set and pointing to each, what's your name? And then you can tell he's improv it and just kind of joking around with each of them. And um, he throws a lot of like, kind of halfway racist stuff in there but it's so funny <laughs> that you don't care and they're yeah. just delighted by it and it seems real to me i'm sure it is like those guys are genuinely cracking up at robin williams and being delighted by him and that scene is one of the scenes that really moved me the most in the movie because he was uh bringing light to them and also he was kind of coming back to life himself and realizing that oh yeah i guess i'm doing something good here you know
1: yeah and it's it's you know that the like you said, it's kind of loosely based on Adrian Cronauer, but that just the way that movie plays out with him, like you mentioned, kind of bringing light and a little bit of levity to the situation that's at hand with them being at war, um, you know, and, and him being the person that wants to do it in in his style and the way you do it. That really is kind of the closest portrayal to Robin himself. Um you know, a number of, I've seen a number of videos that he used to go overseas to entertain the troops, Mm. you know, himself. And there's a lot of videos of that. And I've watched a ton of them. So, I mean, that really in essence is what he was doing. He was doing what Adrian Cronauer did, but he was doing it as Robin by going over and doing the USA show, USO shows. That's amazing. And such. And good morning. Vietnam is such a great balance of comedy and drama Mm -hmm. because of, the way it plays out and it's probably i think the one movie that's more that's probably the best balance of comedy and drama that he has done
2: yeah that's a really I, good balance i can't
1: think of any others <laughs>
2: yeah two so, extremes
1: to the, to that extreme yeah exactly
2: yeah mm-hmm. uh
1: that's a great pick that was a good one to start Thanks. with as well uh my these are
2: in five. my order like i guess you are doing too right I'm trying our best to go from uh to our most favorite at the end yeah
1: yeah. Try. I'm going to, I'm just going to say, and I'm probably sure I can speak for both of us. This top five, these are very loose top fives. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but for my number five, I'm going back to one of the, the movies I remember probably first discovering Robin. Um, not my earliest. I, I know there's a couple movies that have been around that time, but my number five is Aladdin. Nice. Uh, you know, Walt Disney 1992. It's, You know, we're talking about the heyday of Disney classics. You had Aladdin, you had The Lion King, Little Mermaid, Mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, You know, these are when a lot of these major, major Disney animated movies were coming out. And Aladdin, to me, you know, if you people if you ask people what their favorite Disney animated movies are, those are the ones you get. You get Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast Uh, mixes of other ones. But those ones are always in the mix. Yeah, Aladdin is one of those movies that I've seen so many times that people either love me or hate me when they watch it with me, <laughs> because I can speak every line of dialogue of that movie. Most importantly, of course, the
2: genie. Wow. That's, and when, that's a lot.
1: And when I sing, <laughs> he's a talker. The, yeah. And when I sing the genie songs, I do the voices. I do everything <laughs> to the best of my ability. <laughs> I do the voices. But you know, you talk about another movie where there was a lot of improv because they didn't animate the movie until after they had the voice recordings. There are a number of videos that came out shortly after Robin's passing of that Disney released that that are a good like 10 to 15 minutes long of him just behind the mic improvising as the genie. And no. there's so much material yeah. that hit the cutting room floor. And didn't make the movie because they were just letting him riff yeah and then they took all these selections and they put them in the movie like the jack nicholson impressions
2: and Uh things
1: that kids probably wouldn't get
2: right (laughs) at that
1: time but he but the parents did and now as adults i i get as well
2: yeah i mean i was i think i was a teenager or maybe early when did that come out
1: i 92 so i was i was like 13 when i was 21
2: and um yeah, I, I I think I got most of it and really enjoyed it. Yeah, Loved it. it. It's one of my favorites of the Disney movies too.
1: It's yeah, it's probably one of my favorite Disney movies. I refuse to this day to watch the remake.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> not because I'm not a fan of Rob of uh, Will Smith. Will Smith. I've just heard from a number of different people that it's not. It, it it's it, they tried too hard
2: to make. Yeah, I difference. don't see you know? it. It'd be so hard to. Do that justice. I would think you got to go in a whole different direction. Not try to do anything similar.
1: Yeah, we, we were actually I mean? ta- we were actually talking about this the other day as to who could have probably done it better. Because with Will Smith, they kind of focused to they focused more on the music than the comedy. But the genie was the comic relief of that story. Mm-hmm. So to stray away from the comedy and focus more on the music kind of takes away what that right. the, the true essence of that character. And we were kind of talking about well, who could have done it if not Will Smith? And Jack Black was one of the names that came to our
2: list. I mean, I would think yeah, because if you don't try, if you don't focus too much on the comedy, then it feels like, all right, you knew you couldn't do it justice, so you didn't even try. But how could you do it justice? I don't yeah. even think Jack Black really could do it. Maybe he could. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see him try.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying Jack could have done done it justice, but. I would have appreciated it more coming from a comedic singer like Jack Black than I would have. Yeah,
2: yeah. Would have Wilson. Mark I would Smith.
1: have. There would have been a better shot of me giving the movie an actual
2: chance. So, if, um, you know. peeling back the curtain just a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I I wanted to rewatch a bunch of Robin Williams movies for this, and I did. But because I'm in Hawaii right now, where there's fires everywhere, and I've been diverted, um, I didn't get a chance to rewatch Aladdin. That was the one that. I really wanted to rewatch again that I didn't get a chance to, because I think it might've been on my list instead of good morning Vietnam. I'm not sure. Um, so I, I really want to go back and watch that again. I, I did love it back then. I've seen it many times, but not for many years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah,
1: it was, uh, it's, I have a, um, a, a younger half brother who I'm, I'm not really in, in communication with anymore because of drama with the family. But I remember growing up when he was, when he was younger, Uh, him what you know how kids are they want to watch the same movie over and over and over and again Mm -hmm. and you know he was into those disney movies watching like oliver and company and a bunch of them and i remember the day that i finally got him to watch aladdin and i was like well now i don't mind sitting and watching this movie over and over and over again because i'm going to annoy you singing the songs and (laughs) you know (laughs) so yeah yeah, bring it on (laughs) but that was again that's i think that's one of probably my earliest memories of of robin because it was after that i kind of went back and started watching some other stuff Hmm. that was older uh that was older than that as well because i I mean at the time 12 13 years old good morning vietnam was night was 1987 i was eight years old that was a little above my head yeah at that point
2: Yeah, I could watch it all pretty much in real time because I was, you know, I'm older than you. But um, I do remember seeing some of his stand up as a little kid going, I shouldn't be listening to this.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: yeah exactly uh so that brings us then to number four what is uh what you got for number four on
2: your list number four is one that i am i am gonna bet is not on your list i will be surprised if it is and it's the the world according to garp
1: that is a fantastic movie it is not (laughs) in my top five but i'm glad you brought it up
2: Oh, good. Good. I'm glad you said that. It came out in 82. It's based on a novel by John Irving. It's, I think, the most different of it's of all the movies on my list. It probably stands out as the one being most different. And that's because it's very complicated and uncomfortable and tragic as Mm -hmm. fuck and odd and it's challenging and thought-provoking and and it's also very moving and it's got it's uh tackles subjects that can be uncomfortable for for people it's kind of sex obsessed and it deals with feminism and infidelity and worrying about your kids death the parenthood and just really edgy affairs between people of different ages and professors sleeping with students, transgenderism, or at least back then that was more edgy than is now, cults, like all this stuff, but it's uh, I think he's got such a great and actually kind of understated performance in it, mm-hmm. really good performance and um, moving and he's I always love flawed characters and he. everyone in this movie is flawed, but to me it makes them feel more human and um, I don't know the uh, my biggest complaint is there's really three big tragedies that happen. Boom, boom, boom at the end. And it feels a bit rushed. And I found out as I was watching again recently and doing a little research that in like 2015, HBO had talked to John Irving about doing a miniseries, and he actually wrote a five, uh, five part teleplay that oh. they were going to produce, but it didn't, I don't know why it didn't come out, but I think it would have worked better as, as a longer piece, you know, now that we have all these prestige TV miniseries. Yeah. But aside from that, I, I really just, it really moved me and it did make me feel uncomfortable too, but it really made me think. And I just think it's, um I, I don't want every movie to, um, have to leave me feeling good at the end. I like complicated things that make me think too and that's one of the big reasons why I like this one.
1: Yeah, and I think that's actually I if I if I remember his his resume correctly, I think that is Robin's first actual attempt at drama.
2: Um I think so too. 82, yeah, because uh his first movie was Popeye which was came Popeye, out in 80, 80 so yeah.
1: Is, yeah. Uh yeah, and I mean I think the Garp was um and I think if I remember, like reading his on autobi- reading his biography, is he was very hesitant to take it as well, uh, but also really anxious to take it because of the fact that you know. And I'm sure it's going to be in one of our top fives, if not our honorable mentions. We we mentioned Popeye, but mm-hmm. um, you know, Popeye was such a box office flop that he was very concerned that his career was over at that point. So he was very anxious to take Garp when it was offered to him, but it was something completely different than he had done before and it, it worked out. And that is, like you said, that is an incredibly tragic
2: movie. Yeah. If, if you haven't seen this and you're looking for Robin Williams to watch based on uh, this podcast, I, I do recommend watching it, but not if you can't handle a movie that, uh, doesn't have the happiest of endings.
1: <laughs> no, not not even. You're right cuz there are a number of tragedies that happen. I mean the driveway scene at the end yes. of that movie is is really messed up um. and
2: you know what I love about that scene I, can I talk about it a little bit yeah are yeah, yeah. okay so he's uh, you see him when he's younger meeting his future wife and you see their relationship develop and then and and it's a beautiful relationship but then they both uh, end up cheating on each other and she's a professor so she's with one of her students and she's telling him in the car look my husband found out about us that this is it I told you if he finds out that and she's he convinces her to give him one more blow job before they end it And Garp, for some reason, has this uh, habit of coming up his driveway with his lights off to sail into the driveway or something. (laughs) So he's got his kids in the car and he knows she's there with this guy. So he's really upset, too. And he ends up slamming into her car and she bites this guy's dick off Yeah, and one of their kids dies. They have two kids. Yeah. So it just, all these themes I was talking about, parenthood, death, infidelity, um, sex, lust, they're all just have to do with this tragic thing. that. And then you think that's the culmination. And then there's two more tragic things that happen yeah. after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I will say too, like in addition to Robin being in that movie as well, John Lithgow was fantastic in that movie. Yeah
2: as, as well. Roberta,
1: as as roberta which i think is his is it his it's his it's a sibling right
2: no it's just one of and, the um people at his mother's uh kind of cult okay all right
1: i couldn't remember <laughs> what the out. relationship was because it's been a while since i've seen that movie
2: they're good friends
1: yeah so and i think he uh, roberta was a former kicker for the philadelphia eagles if yeah, I something like that. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah former player for the eagles
2: and very so. good in the role yeah
1: yeah yeah uh so then, yeah, that was a great pick, too. I'm glad Thanks. somebody brought
2: that one up. Good. I was afraid you were going to say, oh, I, that's the only movie of his I don't like or something. No,
1: I will tell you yeah. that of all of Robin's movies, there, I've been, there are only two that I can think of off the top of my head that I'll be like, mm, you probably
2: shouldn't have done that one. Oh, interesting. And, well, I'd love and- to hear what those are by the end.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I'll wait till after we're done with our top yeah. five and our honorable mentions, just in case. I don't think there'll yeah, be in either of one. our lists, <laughs> but we'll we'll see when we get we'll to the see. end. Uh, so for my number four, I'm sticking with the same time frame as, as Aladdin and going with another comedy as well. Uh, my number four is Mrs. Doubtfire from 1993, uh, directed by Christopher Columbus. The reason why this one is very memorable to me and kind of sticks out to me. And the reason I had to put it in my top five, this was again, it's only a year later after Aladdin. So I'm maybe about 14 at this point to, to watch a movie that's animated and to hear somebody do the voice is kind of like, Oh, I'm watching a kid's movie. But then when you watch a movie like Mrs. Doubtfire, I think this is the first time I really started to kind of realize the comedy genius that Robin was, um, you know, and the nuance that he had when it came to comedy, because I wasn't just hearing a voice. I was seeing the person behind the voice actually doing the comedy. And it also hit because this was also at a time I I remember watching this over at my grandparents' house. My, my grandfather on my mother's side had owned the VHS, and it was the one movie anytime I went over, I wanted to watch because I was a fan of the movie and I was really my fandom for Robin was starting to really culminate uh, but I was also coming from a broken family at that time as well. So this movie really resonated with me because this was something that was happening in the movie as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's one of the reasons why Mrs. Doubtfire kind of really stands out to me. And I felt I, I knew it had to be somewhere in the top five when I did it. it.
2: And it's one of, isn't it one of his most successful comedies?
1: I, I think it is. Yeah. It might
2: be his most successful. I don't know. And I, I know there were talks of a sequel.
1: Um, they were actually the, the, the talks had restarted right before he passed about the possibility of doing a sequel to the movie. I don't know how they would have done it, right. but, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I would have, I would have watched it. It wouldn't have mattered how they did it. I would have watched it anyway. Um, but I mean the 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 nuance of his comedy aside and the the subject matter aside the movie is just hysterical. So fun. I still watch it, you know, every once in a while and I still I still laugh at it. <laughs> so I it I had to put it in I like I said I had to put it somewhere in my top 5.
2: No, yeah, I'm glad you did. Um yeah, cuz I when I think of Robin Williams comedies that's the one that comes to mind. Uh uh it's making me realize I don't I guess I have one movie that you could call a straight-up comedy on my list, but they're all kind of more dr- dramatic. But um, you mentioned they were thinking about doing a sequel, and it got me thinking, did he ever do any sequels?
1: He he returned for the third Aladdin movie. Um, oh. They When they did Aladdin, King of Thieves, which was the sequel to Aladdin, they brought in the same guy that does the voice of Homer
2: to oh, do right. the, yeah. the voice Dan of the genie. Castellan, or whatever
1: yeah. and then for the third movie, he actually came back. And one of the reasons why I actually love the fact that he came back is because he donated uh, all of his pay for that to a charity. Hmm. so he he set, you know, he set the contract, and then everything that they gave him, they paid him to do the third movie. he donated. He didn't. was that again. any good? I enjoy the third one. Um yeah, I've never seen it. it's It was a straight to video. It, it never hit theaters. The second one didn't hit theaters either.
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, no, I'm sorry. King of Disney Thieves
1: movies. was the third one. Return of Jafar was the second one. But he came back for King of Thieves.
2: King of Thieves, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he came back I, for the I, third one. So I don't know if he's ever done, I don't think he's ever done a sequel besides that.
2: Yeah, interesting. That, that's a good point. What, what also stands out about me, since we're kind of in an aside here about him, is that he, it always seemed like he was destined to be the Riddler and he never ended up playing the Riddler.
1: Well, he was signed to do it. I don't know if you knew that or not.
2: I, I, I may have known it at some point.
1: He And I just did think of two more sequels he did and I'll mention him in a second
2: (laughs) since you brought this up
1: um, Mm -hmm. he was initially signed to be the Riddler for the third Batman movie when Tim Burton was signed to still be oh that's what yeah yeah I did hear that Yeah, and then when Tim Burton dropped he also dropped from the project because I don't think he I don't think he wanted either he didn't want to work with Schumacher or he just didn't he didn't like the direction the movie was going with Schumacher
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so because the third movie was supposed to be robin williams as the riddler and billy d williams as two-face right with tim burton directing and michael keaton returning as batman which i would have watched that movie (laughs) yeah i know like don't get me wrong i actually didn't mind batman forever but um (laughs) (laughs) i was just gonna say don't get me wrong i thought jim carrey was the best part of batman forever yeah but I would have been very curious to see Robin as the Riddler.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: But he also did the, the second and third night at the museum movies. Oh yeah. 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 As Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) So those movies are fantastic too. Uh, Moving into the top three then. What you got for number three.
2: I am going to guess this one is on your list and that is Goodwill hunting. (laughs) You don't have to say. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but I but I won't say too much about it. But uh I mean, I saw this. It's 1997 Gus Van Sant, of course, with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. They wrote the script as young guys, 20-something's and they won an Oscar for best original screenplay. And uh this movie came out while I was finishing up Three years of grad school in Boston, where it takes place, mm-hmm. and I loved Boston. So just to see them hanging out in spots I used to go to a lot, like the Commons, you know, the park where Will and Sean, uh, Robin's character sat on a bench and talked. Um, that made me love it. I. Really, what stands out for me the most about this movie is the relationship, of course, of Robin Williams' character, Sean and Matt Damon. But Matt Damon's performance it is, is fantastic. so good in this. Yeah. And, but Robin Williams, too, and that damn scene where he just keeps the, repeating, it's not your the, fault. The,
1: I was just going to say that <laughs> it's not your fault. There are two yeah. scenes in that movie that absolutely stand out. And the one is with Robin and Matt sitting on the park bench. And with Robin saying, like, you don't know what love is and telling the whole story about his wife dying of cancer. And then, yeah, that scene where he just repeats that it's not your fault or just that scene breaks me every time I watch it.
2: And just their relationship as it develops where, uh, I mean, really, Matt Damon's character, Will, is like a superhero. I I realized watching this again recently a couple days ago because he's a brilliant savant and he can pretty much think do anything figure anything out and um he can outsmart anybody and so that when you see him break down these psychologists that they're trying to pair him up with and then uh robin williams character takes on the challenge of making him you know do the therapy basically and open up and be vulnerable and try to be the and and then it's that theme again of uh just sort of being vulnerable, taking a risk, not just uh, going through the motions in life, but really putting yourself out there and and sucking the marrow out of life, as they say in Deadpool society, that, um, just is such a great message. And I'll say one more thing about this um, movie yeah. is that I watched it and loved it. And, and I was around the same age as Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and, um, I just was all about it. And then I watched it like 12 or so years later and thought, wow, you can really tell this movie's written by a 20-something because it's so self-absorbed. Everyone cares what Will thinks. And there are all these men and people <laughs> talking about Will and how do we help Will. And and I just I, I, I thought ah, it didn't really hold up. So then when I went to watch it again a couple of days ago, I'm like, I don't know. Is it? I feel like it doesn't hold up. And then I was like, no, I was nuts. I love it. I don't know what I was thinking because I totally fell for it when I watched it a, a couple of days ago. And I just think it's such a good message just to, you gotta open up and take a risk sometimes even if you might get hurt because life is short. And so I, I love it.
1: Yeah, I, I love the fact too that there, there's a moment in that movie that is uh, the whole, how do you like them apples Scenes, yeah <laughs> um has been referenced in a number of other different pop culture genres uh parks and rec uses and made an made of of the, and made fun of yeah uh you know i mentioned parks and rec uses it at, in one of their episodes as well uh, but one of the other things i love um other than the fact that this movie in addition to getting matt and ben their oscars won robin his first oscar for actor yeah for best supporting, supporting actor, actor
2: yeah 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 which was and mini driver amazing. i gotta say was just lovely and charming and i had a crush on her in this and in gross point blank which was probably not
4: oh, gross point blank
1: time. i think that came up i think gross point blank was in the top 5 for either me or mark when we did the john cusack episode i'm the sure it had it. to be yeah yeah I'm sure it was in one of our top 5 <laughs> if not our number 1 um, right. for those movies um uh but yeah so the and, and one of the other things i love cuz You know, I talk a lot about a lot about the behind the scenes stuff because I watch a ton of that when it comes to especially with Robin's Robin's movies, Uh, the scene where they are in the therapy office with Robin and Matt and and he talks about his wife farting in bed And it's the, and the two of them are just hysterically up, laughing yeah. was completely improvised.
2: Oh, I love that. And that's, so the, the, <laughs> and Matt laughter, Damon was actually cracking up.
1: Yes. Yeah. So the laughter that they are sharing in that scene is completely genuine because they I were mean, laughing. It, you at,
2: feel it. Like, I'm yeah. not surprised to hear that. I didn't think about it at the time, but it was so funny.
1: Yeah. It's it's a, it's genuine laughter between the two of them. Um, <laughs> As far as Goodwill Hunting being in my top five, I won't reveal if it was, if it is, or was in my top five. But as I, <laughs>
4: mentioned,
1: as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I have alternates, so that if we end up sharing any, I'm going to swap them out so that we get to talk about more of his movies.
2: Okay. So, nice.
1: so now that we've talked about Goodwill Hunting, if it was in my top five, it won't be now because I'll okay, I'll okay. put something else in its place. <laughs> um, so for that, then moving on to my number three. Yeah. Cause I think the, I think I've covered the comedies at this point. Cause now I'm going into more dramatic stuff looking at my top five. Uh, my number three is from 1998. It's What Dreams May Come.
2: I don't think I saw that. Really? I got to watch it. Yeah. Um, I've not seen every single Robin Williams
1: movie. No, I, I, that's <laughs> what do you mean? You haven't seen it. It's, um, so basically the, the general premise of the movie is that his character is, um. he has a very kind of broken relationship. Like him and his wife are incredibly close. They are very loving, but he has a lot of like, there's a lot of indifference with him and his son, him and his daughter get along great, but there's a lot of family strife with kids and such and at one point he and they they lose both of their kids in a car accident it kind of creates a separation between the two of them they're struggling with their marriage and before they get the opportunity to kind of fix things he is killed in an accident as well uh and ends up going to going to heaven and while he's in heaven he finds out that his wife having lost everyone commits suicide Oh my and, god. And ends up in hell. So, but because he he knows that they're still absolutely connected, the whole movie is basically about his journey from heaven to hell to rescue his wife.
2: Oh wow. Um I didn't know that. Yeah, it sounds really uh, interesting.
1: It's it's really great. Um obviously So Robin is it Williams, uh, is it funny at all? No, no. it's it's it is one hundred percent dramatic. Okay. Um it's Robin Williams, Cuba Gooding Jr., Annabella Scorona uh, Sc- scora i think is our last Siora, name. i think yeah, Siora, yeah. max found side like there's a there's a number of cast members in it and it's it's a very dark and tragic story until the end um you know him fighting his way to hell to to rescue his wife because that's where suicides go um but the movie itself is visually stunning that i mean it's his wife was an artist, so she painted a lot of pictures, so his idea of heaven was one of her paintings. So, like, you get to see everything looks very vivid, like an oil painting, and it moves kind of like an oil painting. It's, it's so incredibly, like I said, visually outstanding. The cinematography is fantastic. And then when you consider all the traveling that they do, and of course, like, not to spoil anything in case you do see it, but he comes across he's reconnected with his children along the way you know while making these journeys making this journey to rescue it's just it's an incredibly moving movie that is very tragic at the soul of it but I will say does have a happier ending so it's not garp tragic
2: yeah makes me want to check it out I didn't realize how uh, unique it was
1: yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like, and it's based off a novel, just like Garp, just like the world according to Garp was as well. So, and I've read the novel, and it's um, it does a good job of of interpret of, in, of interpreting the novel.
2: I'm reading here. Uh, it was written by Richard Matheson, who wrote "I Am Legend," which was the basis of, of course. I have Legend, but also Night of the Living Dead. So there's a walking yeah. down connect in there.
1: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> all the more reason for you to check it out now. Yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally want to. Yeah, it's it's a great movie,
1: and uh, um, it's it's well worth the watch. Like I said, it's top three of of mine of my favorites of his. Mm. So, uh, all right, moving into top two now. Uh, what have you got for number two?
2: I mean. I feel like I'm stealing these ones on your list and making no, you swap fine. them out and no. other ones, but uh, it's got to be Dead Poet Society.
1: I had a feeling yours was going to be Dead
2: Poets Society. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know my number one, so we won't we'll get there. But um, okay, yeah. So 1995, directed by uh, Peter Weir, who did Witness with Harrison Ford and Truman Show, um, and. Robin Williams as this totally inspirational teacher, John Keating, and with a young Ethan Hawk, Robert Sean Leonard, and Josh Charles. And what stands out for from this one is just how freaking inspiring it is. The whole thing about "Carpe Diem," seize the day, gather ye rosebuds while ye may, and life is short, and wear food for worms, lads, and things like that. And it's, I, I, I watching this again recently, I've realized how much I think I've carried it with me in life, and didn't necessarily realize it, or I don't know if it came from this movie or if the if it just resonated with something that was already in me. But I'll often think when I'm feeling stuck in life, like you're going to die someday, dude, don't worry about it. You know, just go mm-hmm. for it. And that's kind of the message of this movie. And, uh, one thing that st- stood out to me about his performance, just watching several movies in a row of his, his, Like in Goodwill Hunting, Robin Williams was, you could tell he was carrying this pain around with him um, and he had a kind of a quietness to him. But in dead society, he's really just focused, intense, driven. He's right on top of it with these kids, just fully in control and the kind of guy that you want to line up behind and be like, yes, sir, show me the world, you know? And when he has them stand up on the desks and look around, uh, to just to see the different perspective of the room that is such a great metaphor and i've actually done that my whole life like i'll go into a room and or into a room i've been in many times just lay on the floor or just go in a different place and look at it differently just to remember that yeah we have different we have our ways of seeing things that you kind of forget that there are other ways of seeing it whether that's you that could possibly see things in a different way or that other people around you may see things in a totally different way than you do depending on the context, you know? So I just love that part of the message too, that everyone has their own perspectives and not to, the movie's all about like the rigidity of this school and how they see things as one way. And you need to do it that way. And Robin Williams being like, no, you don't have to conform to this one way of doing things that you need to look in, to yourself and figure out what your own passions and point of view are and, and let those out into the world. And yeah. it's just so inspiring. And the trouble I had with it, watching it again, because I'd forgotten is that kind of gets him in trouble. Like he convinces this kid to follow his dream of acting. And then his father is so against it that he forbids him to do it. And he's so upset that he kills himself. And um, I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, what is the moral here? <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, it's it's an incredibly inspiring movie, and I I definitely feel the same way about what you said about having you kind of kept that with you. Um, carpe diem are two words that have stuck with me pretty much. I think ever since the first time I ever saw this movie, for sure. Um, I still use those. I still use those words to this day. And then you know, most recently when YOLO was very popular, <laughs> I was like, stop that. That you're like you're basically like. Yolo is nothing more than carpe diem for douchebags. Like knock it off. <laughs> uh, you know, carpe diem did it first and, you know, it's right. that's how it is. And, and and I don't know if very early on it's a very unknown movie of Robbins as well. He actually did a movie called Seize the Day.
0: Oh, um yeah. and it, I,
1: I don't think it's very under the radar. I don't know if there's a lot of people who have even seen it. Um, mm-hmm and actually i don't even remember if it came before or after dead poet society but i'm i'm right there with you it's you know we got very early ethan hawk in this as well and i remember yeah. seeing this movie and i was like i i want a teacher like keating like i want someone to kind of mm-hmm. open my mind to different things
2: you know, so I mean, it- also one, one other thing, like talking about conformity and he talks about the difficulty of maintaining your beliefs in the face of others. And at the school, it's a, it, like there's so much tradition and rigidity and rules and things. And and so if you think differently, you're kind of beaten into submission. And, and on the other side of that, you kind of need those kinds of things in school to a degree in order to keep. People focused on learning and <laughs> you can't just say do whatever you want kids because that's chaos but I guess my what I take away from it is balance is key that you need to find time to Nurture what's unique about yourself, but also, and I think even his character in the movie was like, Well, don't get yourself kicked out of the school. That's just dumb. And so he he had an element of that balance in there too. But anyway, the, the thing about like um, ma- the difficulty of maintaining your beliefs in the face of others, that's another thing that I've tried to do. Like, if I I'll make a point to speak up when I believe something that goes against the grain on podcasts sometimes, knowing that I might get a bad review because of it, or that not everyone agrees. And that's one reason why in podcast guy I always say, Hey, it's okay if we disagree because that i want then to give everyone permission to do that even if you think that no one's going to agree with you just have your opinion that's okay and that's why i think candy corn is great because no one else <laughs> really believes me but
1: you had to bring I that really- up <laughs> didn't you <laughs> no I don't and, care and
2: how many people disagree
1: and it's one of the re- it, you know it's one of the reasons why i like doing you know, the format of this being top five favorites, because favorite is subject is subjective. Um, You know, my top five favorite is different than other top five favorites. And it might be different reasons for that. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I definitely get, you had to bring up the candy corn. That's going to bug me. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to bug me. So no, that, that was a good choice. And I'll be completely honest with you. Dead poet society was also my number two, but Mm -hmm. I do have an alternate to go in its spot. And I actually, I feel like it's very appropriate actually this alternate, because you mentioned the theme of that poet society of, you know, doing things that are kind of against the grain and almost getting in trouble for it because there's tradition and you're going against tradition. Uh, so I'm going to put in for my number two and it's very fitting. Cause it is, it it should, it can very easily fit my number two um, from 1998. I'm going, with, I'm going to go with patch Adams. Cool. Um, very again, you're talking very similar themes. Yeah, you know, I, he,
2: there's a theme with him. I think Robin Williams yeah. is drawn to these movies where he he's an inspirational figure.
1: Yeah, he is somebody yeah. who came in. He works against the grain. He goes against tradition. You know, this medical school does things their way. They've done it for centuries, and he in, in comes, you know, Hunter Adams, and he's doing things his own way and he's shaking things up and it's bothering people but you know again this is a movie that's very loosely based on an actual person Uh, in fact the real Patch Adams was one of the writers on the film so he he was able to embellish his own life a little bit (laughs) Um, and he and he looks nothing they look nothing like each other the real Patch Adams and Robin Williams look nowhere alike each other but this is one of those movies that I remember it was my freshman year of college and my college had a theater and they would buy a movie and then they would show it for a couple weeks so like for like 2 or 3 weeks they would show it like one one showing friday, one showing saturday, one showing sunday and they would often have a lot of college students work the theater to you know gain some extra money and tickets were like five bucks, but I remember I was already the massive Robin Williams fan that I was, so I worked the theater when Patch Adams was in the theater. So I legit saw Patch Adams like in the theater nine times. Oh my gosh, in a matter of like three weeks, but also because I was working the theater as well. But once the movie started, like it was it, I could sit and watch the movie. So, but again, like this is a, one of those movies where you know. <laughs> seeing somebody come out going against the system but there's absolutely you know when you compare patch adams to dead poet society there are a lot of similar themes but patch adams stands out because of there's a lot more comedic elements to the story being told and to the character than there were with john keating because keating there were funny moments and things that he said but they were all part of his inspirational teaching whereas yeah
2: He did uh, this one little segment where he's doing some impersonations Mm -hmm. in there and he he, he's a fun teacher so yeah that came through a little bit but he he didn't go full robin williams with it yeah (laughs) Yeah, well you
1: could you could tell like patch adams was a little bit more of an opportunity for, for robin to be robin um you know there were absolutely improvised scenes in that there's a scene where he's playing with a skeleton and you know he's the some of the stuff that he sang with the skeleton was completely improvised from Robin. And
2: I wonder you know, if he yeah if Robin Williams was like I want to be myself more or if he was okay being more restrained if the role called for it. I you would think he he was okay with that, but I don't know for sure.
1: I think yeah, I think if the story being told was probably well enough, he was okay with being mm-hmm. kind of like playing it straight.
2: He seemed to want to try a bunch of different kinds of things
1: but i'm sh- i'm sure every opportunity he worked with someone who wanted to loosen the reins a little bit they would uh he was welcome to that too i'm, I'm almost sure
2: yeah absolutely so that, yeah that, I, 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 that's that that's like with like i was talking about jim carrey before and robin williams and they both have such a um lot of experience being successful with Improving this zaniness and and having people laugh their asses off that it would be uh kind of scary to not employ that you know what i mean mm-hmm. to like be like okay i'm not going to use this thing that i know for damn sure works but that's how you grow as as an actor and prove that you can do all kinds of different things yeah
1: i mean and one of the reoccurring themes that i've seen and, and doing a lot of this behind the scenes research on a lot of them is when you when you watch these interviews with a lot of these actors that they work that he's worked with is one of the common things is that it didn't matter whether the movie was a comedy or if it was a drama or whatever whether it was very straight or gave him the freedom in between scenes robin was robin he <laughs> had he had everybody laughing he was keeping levity on set you, you know he he made sure everybody was having a good time
2: even and, in um, one hour photo
1: I don't see why not. I mean, <laughs> I wonder. I, I would think that's when you probably need it the most. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you, you need it's those funny. moments of levity when they're
2: doing that. So,
1: uh, but yeah, that brings us to our number one picks for this. I'm pretty confident. I know what yours is.
2: It's flubber. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've told you before, my favorite yeah. Robin Williams movie is Popeye, his yeah. first movie. And, um, it's not like I think he went downhill after that. He's got a ton of great movies. But I, as a kid, I liked the cartoon Popeye, but it wasn't like my favorite. And and um, I I liked the movie, but it wasn't my favorite. But as I've gotten older, I like it more and more. And I just find it so charming. There's so much that's so charming about it. It's directed by Robert Altman, who has this very particular style where he's got scenes with so much going on. People talking over each other and improvising and in the background. And in this movie, there's all these little bits of action happening, people tripping over themselves or uh, punching into something or whatever, because <laughs> you can be really cartoony with it. Um, but he did MASH, uh, Nashville, uh Porte, porter Gosford Park, The Players, one of my favorites of his. It's Hollywood, uh, like this thriller with uh, Tim uh, Tim, what's his name? Uh, you know, from Shawshank Redemption, Tim Robbins. Oh, Tim Robbins, yeah. And a yeah. bunch of cameos, of cameos like Bruce Willis and Julie Roberts and John Cusack. But anyway, he, I, I him and uh, the combination of Robert Altman as director, Robin Williams as Popeye, and Harry Nilsson as a songwriter. Because this is really a musical, yeah, and it's my favorite musical. And hi, Harry Nilsson, I mean, people more recently will know him from that song um, – Got to get up, which they played over and over again in Russian Doll. Got to get up, gotta da da da, da da, every time she woke up. But um, everybody's talking from Midnight Cowboy. Uh, coconut, that who put the lamb in the coconut? And uh, he he was friends with John Lennon, but he's just this great songwriter. And the songs in this movie are very um, kind of I don't want to say sloppy, but they're not perfect they're a little out of tune they're kind of rambly and the way that um what's her name uh shelly duvall who's the most Perfect olive oil ever. Right? <laughs> Let's see who, who else could do it. She kind of sings a little maybe out of tune or, and that song, like he needs me, he needs me, he needs me. Like that. it's, it's just, I find it really charming. And then the very first song, uh, well, the town itself is a character, uh, uh Sweet, Haven, Sweet Haven, which yeah. is this set that was built in Malta and is still there as this still there. adventure fun park. I've, um,
1: I've looked into traveling to it to go, yeah. to go see it.
2: We should, we should do that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's the, the town is kind of like the songs. It's kind of weathered and imperfect, but totally charming. And that first song where you see Robin Williams uh, as Popeye coming in on this small little boat, this dinghy, and it's dark and kind of lonely. But then the sun comes out and the town starts to wake up and you hear that song, sweet, sweet haven. God must love us. And I think that might be my favorite song. And you just see all this goofy action going on all, all over the town. And it just charmed me from the very first scene. And then Robin Williams as Popeye, he 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 clearly watched a lot of Popeye because Popeye always mutters things under his breath. <laughs> and so did he in this movie. Like the tax man comes and you're new in town, right? And he goes, you call this a town? Yep. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Uh, and he's, there was improv, like when he they find the little baby sweet pea and he opens the basket, uh, he's looking into the baby basket that sweet peas in and starts reading the note that's pinned to the baby's pajamas about like, I've left this baby with you. I hope you can take care of him or whatever. And the baby goes, bad, bad, bad. And Robin Williams goes, you're a baby it says so right here <laughs>
1: <laughs> which that <laughs> scene in smiles. particular feels like such an improv scene like he just yeah played, the kid oh, yeah. obviously wasn't cued to do that and he just played no. right along
2: with it and exactly it was, and it when was you perfect. have an actor like robin williams he he can do that and that, or like um, when bluto hit, hits him and sends him flying and he gets up and he goes oh look at the birdies like just these little <laughs> <laughs> things like that I-
1: yeah, it's it's Popeye. So I didn't put Popeye in my top five because I knew I had a feeling it was going <laughs> to yeah. be, if not your number one, at least in the top two. Um, but I'm with you. Like I absolutely adore that movie. I told you I was actually watching it right before we started recording. Mm. Um, while I was wait while we were
2: waiting, to it holds up together. for me too. It totally does. I
1: own that soundtrack on vinyl. Um, yeah, when great.
2: it was,
1: when it became available, I I purchased it, and I feel like I'm with you. Like that movie. I mentioned it earlier that, you know, he was very insecure about his career after that movie because it was a box office flop. But I think yeah. that movie, it stands the test of time. I think it's incredibly underrated.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think so, too. I think it's a bit of a cult hit among its big fans, but it never really caught on big. Yeah.
1: I, I think, again, I think if you showed it to, like, young kids now, I don't know if they would appreciate it as much as we do. i to
2: show it to my son. Yeah, now, I don't know. Yeah.
1: I'd be curious if you did how they, how they take... Yeah, to it, and as to whether or not they kind of take to it, if, or if they feel like it's a little dated. But I mean, like you just you know you're talking about all the scenes of that movie. The scene where he boxes, um, oh, I can't remember the name of, uh, oh, Oxheart. Um, yeah, uh, Oxball, the big old Oxball,
0: old.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, and you know that it's the first, and I think it's the only scene where like when he knocks him between the ropes and the pipe spins. And I'm like, oh, that's classic Popeye! Like, right there. and then <laughs> yeah. he gets up and, you know, does the twisting of the arm and the spinning fist that. Like, uh, the movie is, God, it's so good. It it's really just is
2: so if good. you and you watch, it's one of those movies where there's a lot, like, because it's Robert Altman. There's a lot going on in the corners of the screen, and you, you can get tickled just noticing something, somebody doing something goofy that you never noticed before. And then this guy, um, Bill Irwin, who played ham gravy i guess um who's like in the be- he's the guy in the beginning that's kicking his hat down the street hat, trying to grab it you know yeah. and he falls over and stuff he uh he's kind of this um, comedian that does uh, uh how would you say it? humor with his body like that and uh he was it's, um
1: yeah he does it like a little slapstick physical like, yeah physical comedy. like
2: uh, laurel and hardy kind of thing or, yeah uh, yeah but he uh what was I going to say about him? He was uh, Carrie milk in Legion, and he was in um, he was in Sesame Street as uh, oh I forgot the name of the character in Sesame Street, but he he's great. He's all the I, I think uh, they cast it really well, especially with Shelley Duvall and. Of course, and, Robin, and, and Robin,
1: Ray Walston yeah. is poop deck. Pappy. Which yes. It's fantastic. I Amazing. love the scene kind of geeking out on the movie now that we're talking about it, but I love the scene. The first time you ever see the picture of his Pappy and it just, it's just a piece of cardboard that says Pappy, yeah. my, my Papa. Me, papa. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he doesn't know what his dad looks like, I guess <laughs> at that point.
2: Yeah. And there's all these little goofy jokes like that. And to me, they all landed. I, 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 I at least, I, I didn't laugh out loud, but I got a kick out of all the little jokes like that. Yeah. So I think if you're not into the humor, you won't like the movie, but I, I do. Um, Mr. Noodles, the Sesame Street guy that. Um, oh, okay. What's his name? Plays. But, and then uh, I mentioned Sweet, Sweet Haven is my favorite, but I also love when Popeye, they get little sweet pea because he, you find out that he can kind of predict the future. And so they take him to the horse race track where it's these little mechanical horses and they name it's off basically all the horses. Carnival. Horses. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever he whistles, you know that that's the horse that's going to win. And Popeye's pissed off that they would use the baby to do that. And then he burst into a rousing song. Um, I am what I am. I am, yeah. what I am what I am. And he's just like, Flinging around the poles and stuff, and I'm Papa the Sailor, <laughs> and it's just rousing, man. It's great. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's 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 so good. I mean, they have yeah. God. I mean. Yeah. I I knew that was going to be in you. I knew that yeah. was going to be towards the top of your top five. So well, one more thing about it. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, that I love is, is he's so affable. Like even when, um, so he's hanging out with Olive and she's supposed to be at her engagement dinner with Bluto and Bluto's doing that thing where he's like, she loves me. She loves me not. And getting all pissed off that it's almost going to be, she loves me not until castor oil says, <laughs> Changes it so he so he she loves you oh okay but anyway um then Popeye shows up with olive oil and Bluto sees red literally because Popeye's with his girl and Bluto beats the hell out of him. And then he says uh, he like Pluto knocks him through the wharf into the water or something, and Popeye screams up, "Don't think I blames you, because I don't." I, don't. <laughs> I just think what a great guy he understands. He's <laughs> yeah. just a good guy, you know. And and the way he he's so um, sweet with the little baby and everything, and and everybody in town because there's such a great little small town vibe that they all know each other. And when this Popeye comes in, he's the outsider, so they either look at him like. What the hell are you? Or they're afraid of him like he's a threat, or they're curious, but in a way that's usually rude, and Olive treats him like crap. So he's just being kind of treated like crap through most of the movie, and yet he's handles it all well and just tries to be nice and help people.
1: He's Popeye is <laughs> is the first version of Ted Lasso.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe even a little bit more of an edge than Ted at times, but he usually keeps that under his breath.
1: Yeah, <laughs> until you feed him, until you force feed him a can of spinach, and then yeah,
2: I mean, look at all, then all
1: hell, <laughs> broke, all hell breaks all loose. Um, no, that was a good pick. I had a, like I said, I had a feeling that was going to be in your uh, in your top five, if it's not your number one. Um, and I like again, my number one was pretty solid. I looked at everything that he has done, and it's the one movie that kind of sticks out to me more than anything else, and. Even more so recently because I've had an opportunity to actually talk to one of the cast members of this movie, um, both about the movie and, and their role as well as working with Robin. And my number one, going back to 1991, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg, I'm going with Hook.
2: Nice. Yeah, I thought you might pick that one.
1: It's it's. I don't know what it is about this movie, but it is a movie that I absolutely adore. Um, you know, you, you look at Dustin Hoffman as the role of Hook. Julia Roberts, who I heard apparently was a nightmare to work with on this movie mm-hmm. as, as Tinkerbell. Uh, Bob, Ho- the late Bob Hoskins as Smee. Uh, a ton of cameo appearances in this movie that I don't even know if a lot of people know about. Uh, we get very early. Gwyneth Paltrow is in this movie. George Lucas and Carrie Fisher are in this movie. Um, uh, Phil Collins is in this movie. And Glenn Close is in this movie. Hmm. So I don't know if a lot of people know about those cameo appearances, but uh, they are all there. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is very young Wendy in the flashbacks to Peter as a child. Uh, at the end of the movie, when Toodles gets his marbles and then begins to fly uh, right before the end credits, the, the couple that are kissing on the bridge that start floating. That's Carrie Fisher and George Lucas. Uh, Phil Collins oh, wow. is yeah, Phil Collins is the detective that comes to investigate after the kids are kidnapped by Hook, and Gwyneth, or not Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Glenn Close is the pirate that gets thrown in the boo box.
2: No, uh, I don't think I knew any of that. Yeah, she's also his mother in um, Garp.
1: Yes. Oh, that's right. She <laughs> is. So yeah, it was. It, it's it's really cool the story of Glenn Close being there because apparently she was really good friends with Dustin Hoffman and c- just came to visit him on set. Hmm. And, you know, Steven Spielberg said, well, do you want to be a pirate? And she was like, yeah. And <laughs> if you don't know it's her, you don't you don't recognize her. Yeah. And, I like Until, I you know, and then once you know, you can't unsee it. So but yeah, this is just a movie that just I I remember like being really young. I was maybe 12 years old when this movie came out. I remember playing with all the toys because this, I think, was one of the first movies Robin had ever done that had a toy line. Mm. Uh, all the lost boys and Rufio and, and pan and hook, like there was a full toy line for it. Uh, all the vehicles from the lost boys. I remember having them all and playing with all of them, but, you know, I mentioned actually getting an opportunity to talk to one of the cast members. Uh, I moderated a panel with Dante Basco who played Rufio. Nice. in the movie. Worked very closely with Robin on the film, and then I worked another show that he was a guest at, and we got to talk. I didn't moderate his panel, but we got to talk a little bit more about it. He's actually going to be coming on Wilhelm at some point once the strike ends. Um, we cool. we were actually all ready for him to come on. We we were scheduling it, and then the strike hit, and now he's he's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once the strike Dante ends... Dante Basco, another, you're saying? Dante ba- oh, yeah, not oh, Robin. Robin. <laughs> I, I wish... It's impossible now at this point. Yeah, yeah Don, uh, Dante Bosco, um is going to be coming on once the strike ends. We're going to reschedule really cool. it. So, but this is just a movie again. I don't know if I, I don't know if we'll talk about it as long as we talked about Popeye. But <laughs> it's um, I, I'm totally fine with talking that long about Popeye because it's a great movie. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's just one of those movies that just very heartfelt reminds me of childhood anytime I watch it, as well as my love for robin and you know i i don't really know what else i can say about it but it's just the one movie that of all of his filmography always just sticks out as one of my all-time personal favorites so i was pretty solid it was going to be my number one
2: that's great yeah it's cool
1: so uh yeah so before we get into uh before we take our break and go into the the post credit well. Uh, we can knock out some honorable mentions that we have. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any that you kind of want to bring up, but um, I'll let you start. If you have any,
2: just go through all of them.
1: Yeah. Just go through all of them. And then I'll go through any of mine that you didn't mention.
2: So the ones that came up for me that I wish I'd had a chance to watch again because I haven't seen any of these recently. Aladdin, uh, The Fisher King, I remember. Great movie. Liking. One Hour Photo. But I couldn't – he plays a bad guy in that one, and um, it just didn't feel right to have that in my list for him. (laughs) But uh, I think it was a good movie. And um, a weird movie that didn't really – do that well critically but i found kind of interesting and charming was toys
1: Uh, that is such a (laughs) i remember oh man i remember seeing that movie when it first came out and being like what the hell am i watching
2: yeah for sure
1: and then and then re-watching it a little bit later and being like i kind of appreciate the awkwardness of this
2: yeah me too it's so weird but uh yeah i can understand why it wasn't Critically that well received. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah and one was, movie that, oh, go ahead.
1: No, because that was what, like LL Cool J and uh who was his
2: his sister in that was um uh it was uh Cusack. Right? Joan Cusack, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah but one movie of his that I want to see that I haven't seen besides now what dreams might come is Insomnia. I've heard oh, that's good. That is
1: it. in my honorable mentions. Mm. Um, so yeah, so my honorable mentions for this as well. Yeah, insomnia is one it's a Christopher Nolan film. It is uh, incredibly well uh, incredibly well done um, you, you uh, death to smoochie directed by Danny DeVito from 2002 with him and um, Edward Norton is fantastic. The Birdcage with him and Nathan Lane from 96. Yes. I love that movie as well. Good. Uh, and w- another movie that I think, go- well, man of the year where he plays the comedian that ends up getting elected president
0: <laughs>
1: is, is one. We mentioned the night at the museum movies, which I think are great. And then the last one I'll make mention of too is one is another one I think is kind of underrated. Uh, it's a movie called Jacob, the liar. I haven't seen it. He is a Jew living in an internment camp. And he, uh, it's another one of these movies where he kind of is the person. It's very similar to good morning Vietnam where they are in a dark time. And he is the one person that kind of brings levity to everything. Uh, the basic premise of the movie is that he is, he's living in an internment camp with, um, you know a lot of other a lot of other Jewish people during World War II. He happens to be he's doing some kind of task where he's in an office of one of the Nazis, and he hears a radio broadcast about like the ally, the Allied offenses, and he ends up faking all these different. He he makes up all these stories about these different radio broadcasts he's hearing to give people hope. So and it all stems from one radio report that he heard so he's he it's called jacob the liar because he's lying about mm. what he's telling these stories but he's doing it to kind of give these people hope that mm-hmm. the war is ending soon they're winning the war the nazis are losing the war it's 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 great hopeful it's very hopeful it's got a great cast um in uh alan arkin uh i'm trying schreiber is in the movie. Mark Margolis, who actually recently just passed away. Yeah. Um, Michael Jeter, who was one of the people he was, who was with him in patch Adams. So it's, it's got a great cast. I think it's incredibly hopeful and moving movie as well.
2: It's great. Yeah. I don't know. I I haven't seen that one. sounds good.
1: Yeah. Uh, we got a ton of feedback, uh, which, so we're going to do in the Wilhelm post credit. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will do
2: all of that. Cool
4: in mm-hmm. The joker, he just do what he please.
1: Welcome back and welcome to the Wilhelm Post Credit. Uh, the, the The amount of feedback we got from this one is fantastic. It, we got a ton of feedback, but I think it kind of just goes to show you how much Robin meant to a lot of people.
2: Yeah, that's and, great. I love
1: and, it. And I love that. So thank you to everybody in advance. We're going to read through all this feedback and play the voicemails that we got as well. But thank you in advance from everybody who... Uh, who submitted feedback for this one. Um, we'll go through and we'll read them. Do you want to start us off with this one?
2: Yeah. Josh Lewis says, just watch Boulevard. Such a great and underrated gem from this genius.
1: That's a great movie as well. That's more. That's very recent as opposed to like the rest of his work. I think within like the last couple of years before
2: he passed. I don't even know it. It's just called Boulevard.
1: Yeah. It's just called Boulevard. Hmm. So uh, Nathan Moreau uh, lists Good Morning Vietnam, Dead Poets Society, Mrs. Doubtfire Hook, and Jumanji. Oh, Jumanji's a good one too.
2: Which we didn't mention.
1: We didn't mention that at all. There's going to be a ton of movies we didn't mention.
2: I know. Well, here's another one. Um, Jason Gross says, don't forget Moscow and the Hudson and Fisher King. Yeah, Moscow and the Hudson's another one that I would like to watch again because I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, And that and Garp, like Garp, I hadn't seen since I was a kid and it's not for kids. And uh, (laughs) so I really got it now for the first time, you know, and I bet you Moscow and the Hudson would be the same because I probably saw that when I was like 12 or something. Yeah.
1: Oh, I I forgot to mention too. There was the two movies that I said that I've seen and I look back and I'm like, you probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, Old Dogs with him and John Travolta.
2: Awful. I remember hearing something about it. Yeah, awful awful movie. Uh, And the
1: other one that actually surprised me how bad it was is Father's Day with him and Billy Crystal.
2: Yeah, you'd think that'd be great.
1: You'd exactly. You'd think the two (laughs) of them together, this would be great, and it really wasn't that good at all.
2: Yeah. So. um,
1: God, so many movies that I'm sure probably won't get mentioned. I don't know if you've ever heard of a movie called The Survivors. Nope. That was Robin Williams and Walter Matthau. Sounds good. And then another one called The Best of Times, which was Robin Williams and Kurt Russell.
2: I think I saw that back fo- in the they,
1: played ho- they played football yes. in high school.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I barely remember it, but I remember liking it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeannie Brinker uh, says Patch Adams, Bicentennial Man. That's a great one.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, Aladdin, Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, and Awakenings. Another <laughs> great movie.
2: Another one that's surprising we didn't mention, but I guess that just shows goes to show how many great ones there are. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Tony Bruno says in no particular order, my top five are Goodwill hunting dead Poet society. Jack. That's another one. Hook and Aladdin. Really hard to leave off. Mrs. Doubtfire. Good morning, Vietnam and Fern Gully.
1: Fern Gully. Yeah. Fern Fern Gully did first. What avatar did later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Barbie Allen, so many amazing performances to choose from. I hope Awakenings makes one of your lists. Oh, sorry, Barbie, uh, not as popular, but wow, it is a great movie.
2: Yeah, it's moving, moving yeah. as fuck. All right, <laughs> Daphne Backman. Daphne says I appreciated Insomnia and One Hour Photo since they both showcased Robin Williams' versatility. Both coincidentally came out in two thousand two.
0: Um.
1: Yeah, if you if you haven't had the chance, you said you haven't seen Insomnia, right?
2: I haven't, but I'm very curious.
1: That's that's one yeah, I would definitely add to the list to watch because it's really good. Cool. Uh, Kelly Burgess, uh, Dead Poet Society is the first thing that comes to mind. The movie made such an impact on me; I started crying halfway through. Now, uh, Oh Captain, My
2: Captain. <laughs> um, yeah, so Goodwill Hunting was one of the ones, right, on your list that you swapped out.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yes. Goodwill hunting was, I swapped it out because it was, it was on yours. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So those are the only two that we shared, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Mostly different. Yeah. uh, Parto Barkardari says dead poet society, goodwill hunting, the Fisher King, what dreams may come and death to smoochie. Have you seen death to smoochie? I have not seen that. I don't think,
1: what is it? It's, so Death to Smoochie is uh Robin Williams plays this character called Rainbow Randolph who is this child's sure. performer. He's kind of like uh like a, kind of like a Captain Kangaroo, Mr. Rogers kind of like, you know, has his own television show that's for kids. Sure, sure, yeah. And then um he you know, he goes through a little bit of trouble to the point where they They kind of they let him go and they bring in this new character uh, named Smoochie, who is played by Edward Norton. And he's a very Barney like Mm. character. And the whole movie is about the two of them kind of like going to head, like going to going to blows about it. And it's about Raymond Randolph trying to get his spotlight back and kind of take over. It was written and directed by Danny DeVito. It's very dark comedy but yeah. it's absolutely hysterical.
2: Yeah. That you just sold me on that for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like these goofy kids characters, but Edward Norton and Robin Williams is going at each other behind the scenes. I like, yeah. That. And Ro- and Robin is like
1: this, you know, like this dark gritty guy who plays this lighthearted character. And Edward mm-hmm. Norton is like this very happy go lucky. Everything is great personality. So put like the two of them together and it's, it's, it's just hysterical. Mm-hmm. Uh, Erica and uh, Erica and Furter, I just cherish his films and, and his performances so much in no particular order because I love them all. Popeye. Well done. Uh, mm-hmm. Hook, Mrs. Doubtfire, the Birdcage, Aladdin, and so many more.
2: Nice. <laughs> Jonathan book. says the introduction of Robin Williams character in good morning, Vietnam was one of the greatest of all time. Yep. Oh, captain, my captain still chokes me up. And as a kid, Mork was the funniest thing on TV. Nanu, nanu.
1: I agree. I, I still think he's funny as
2: yeah. Mork. Do you remember like uh, when he first met Mindy, she was out in the middle of nowhere for some reason, and he offered to help her. And because he had his suit on backwards, she thought he was a priest and when they got home, she realized he had a suit on backwards. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Did you? So, uh, two
1: funny stories about Morgan Mindy. Um, do you? Did you ever hear how he got the role to play uh, Mork on on Happy Days before it led into that? So he so. was he was in the office of I think it was Rob Reiner at the time,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and he he didn't know what to do. He was so nervous about the audition. So when they in when they put him in the office before Rob Reiner came in. He just sat in the chair upside down on his head because <laughs> he did, he was so nervous he didn't know what else to do and and yeah. and Reiner came in and was like, "Yeah, that, that's
2: good. That's do it.
1: That. <laughs> that's Man. it." Um, and then the other the other funny story about Mark and Mindy I just recently found out is that apparently CBS hired five different interpreters to be on set. Just to make sure Robin wasn't accidentally slipping anything out when he was making up languages. Oh, wow. When he was improv making up different languages. They had interpreters on set just to make sure nothing was getting by. (laughs) Which is ridiculously funny. funny. Uh, Maria Lawson. I adore Mrs. Doubtfire since it was one of my childhood favorites. Although rewatching as an adult with my own children, I really empathize more with Sally Fields' character and just how frustrating <laughs> it would have been to be married to Robin Williams' character.
4: It's uh,
1: my favorite, though, is One Hour Photo. Creepy and excellent departure from his other roles.
4: Absolutely. Nice.
2: Richard Rav says, What dreams may come? Patch Adams, Mrs. Doubtfire, Death to Smoochie. Goodwill Will Hunting and Aladdin were some of my favorites. No particular order. They're just movies I watched many times. That is how I gauge which movies I like best. May not be the best performances, but they entertain me the most.
1: Yep. That's, mm-hmm. that's why we do favorites and not what we think is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy Ann, which is uh, Wendy Eppers. I still remember exactly where I was when I found out uh, Broken Heart. Uh, I do too. Uh, Dead Poet Society, this movie wrecked me. The Birdcage, I still have to stop and watch if this is on. It's incredibly feel good. Uh, The World According to Garp, One Hour Photo, Amazing Dramatic Role, and Good Will Hunting.
2: Great list. Des Combs says, Popeye, if I want to go around singing I Am What I Am all day long. (laughs) I can see Des doing that. Uh, What Dreams May Come, if I want to be an emotional wreck rv for silly immature humor what's that rv
1: RV. is a movie where him and his family go on an rv trip and it's just you know everything goes wrong
2: yeah (laughs) aladdin because it's aladdin the genius classic and for some reason hook gets me every time oh there you are peter god
1: yep number
2: (laughs) one uh billy taylor number five bicentennial
1: man that is an underrated movie
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh number four good will hunting number three aladdin number two mrs doubtfire and number one hook share that one uh Close this your was list yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah a number of them that were on mm-hmm. well, on there uh this was too hard i could rearrange it and or list five different movies and it'd still be accurate
2: mm-hmm.
1: i feel you on that one
2: Randall John Moyer says: Number one, Popeye. Woo. Number two, Aladdin. Number three, Hook. Number four, One Hour Photo. Well, that took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> number five, Insomnia. Not in any particular order. Cool. <laughs> well, that took a <laughs> turn.
1: Uh, Christy Liverett: uh, Number five, One Hour Photo. Number four, Good Morning Vietnam. Number three, Good While Hunting. Number two, Mrs. Doubtfire. Number one, Dead Poet Society with an honorable mention for Insomnia. Nice. That's a good list, too. They're all yeah. good lists.
2: They all are, yeah. If it was like, um, what was the one you said that was no good?
1: Oh, Old Dogs. Yeah, if anybody mentioned Old, Old Dogs, Dogs,
2: Dogs or Father's Flub, Day. Flubber. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I haven't watched Flubber in years. I, I might have to go back and rewatch it and see how I feel about that one.
2: <laughs> uh, and last... For people who wrote in, Lara Willie Swink, who says, both my favorites relate to places I've been. First, loved watching Mork and Mindy after school as a kiddo. She's from Denver. So I've been to Boulder many times, which is also in Colorado, and driven or walked by the home that was featured as Mindy's home in the show. I can picture it now. A memorial popped up at that home after Robin's death also love The Fisher King, where Robin played a one-time professor at Hunter College in New York City, the exact same college I was attending when I saw the movie back in 1991. But I enjoyed Robin in all his movies. He brought a genuine sense of innocence, warmth, and childish joy to all his roles, except for one-hour photo. He was 100% creepoid in that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely not a sense of innocence, warmth, and childish play. No, not Or childish joy. So, but a, a great performance, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, that's the end of the people that wrote in. Uh, we did get a couple of voicemails come in as well. Uh, this first one comes from Jim Pete, so we'll play that first.
3: Hey there, Ben and Jason. This is Jim from Raleigh here to talk about the top five movies of Robin Williams' career. And I just had no idea how to do that, but I do. <laughs> I do have um, some honorable mentions. I just want to mention a few other movies that didn't make my top five. Number one, Moscow and Hudson, highly recommend it. Way ahead of its time. Uh, Definitely watch that if you want to see um, 1983, 1984, an incredibly diverse cast um, surrounding Cold War times where a Russian um, uh, comes to America. Uh, Hook, I think, maybe is probably on everybody's at least top 10 list. And probably along with Jumanji, the, the man child uh, movies, I would, as I'd call them, <laughs> um, of course, there's, and, and then Mork and Mindy, I think fits in that too. That That's um, a TV show that resonates with me as, as a young lad of eight, nine, when that came out. Um, I just absolutely adored um, that Mork from work. And I used to have the suspenders and sit upside down on the couch. <laughs> I only <laughs> wish I could drink milk with a finger, but anyway, or eight so, backwards. Um, Insomnia, <laughs> yeah. I think the Christopher Nolan Forgotten film is one that stands out to me. As, I guess Robin Williams Breaking Bad. He had that in one hour photo, I think. And there was that clown movie, which I can't think of off the top of my head. Yes. He's just really delectably evil characters, which is so against the grain for Robin Williams, at least on the persona that he had created. Um, so there are my honorable mentions. Here's my top five. Number five for me is a movie called Popeye, of course, based off the comic Popeye the Sailor Man. Um, the movie bombed, but it was a big budget film, I think, to launch Robin Williams' career um, as a comedic actor, and it bombed. And um, looking back on it now, if you watch it, uh, and it's hard, to, I, it's hard to find. I happen to have a copy of it on VHS. Uh, it really holds up well. It's not a typical Altman film. It's very strange, but very comic. Uh, so I highly recommend watching it over again Um, and Robin Williams is brilliant as Popeye like he is Popeye if you have ever watched the cartoons from you know the 30s 40s 50s whenever it was Um, Shelley Duvall's awesome in that as well Um, number four is uh, maybe his greatest star performance Um, I think he's made a career of being secondary character I mean a star but not the main protagonist but kind of that other guy who really turns out to steal the show um, but this um, good morning vietnam is my number four where he absolutely is the show either there's no one else who can play his character um if you really stop and you think about it i know some people might say a character like um uh, an actor like jim carrey can do it but i just don't see it like robin williams epitomize that character um, highway robbery that he didn't win the oscar that year what a brilliant role where we got to see him full on as robin williams as the comedian But also full on um, dramatic as we see his character um, progress through that movie, um, realizing you know the true um, nature of what's going on in Vietnam. Uh, Number three, uh, I think is a hidden gem. I don't know where this is going to land for everybody else, but The Fisher King uh, came out and and I think that wheelhouse of Robin Williams, like really as being one of the top stars. I think it came out right around the same time as Awakenings. Um, I really thought the Fisher King was a better movie than awakenings. I think awakenings was one of those scripts that was built to be an Oscar movie where I thought uh, the Fisher King was, um, was one of those that was uniquely filmed by Terry Gilliam. If you watch it, it's just such a uniquely filmed and cinematography, cinema, just a very uniquely filmed, um, movie which is is brilliant if you go and see it again i think jeff bridges is the protagonist but robin williams really steals the show there um and mercedes rule i think won academy award for that movie number two for me is um dead poet society i think this is going to be on everybody's list i just he wasn't obviously again not the main star of this movie but absolutely steals the show Um, again in a mentor role uh tortured soul who helps another tortured soul um and matt damon and then uh, my number one movie is is Dead Poet Society. It inspired me to be a teacher. Um, it's not a perfect movie. And I, you know, you, if you really dig into it and you look at the essays written about how he was a bad teacher, yada, yada, yada. Um, but what he did in that movie was inspire and inspired me as a young man to become a teacher later in his life. And Um, I use that movie to show my students' perspective. I have them get up on their desks or on their chairs to look at the classroom in a different way as we go through our writing unit in the first nine weeks of school. And um, I use it so much so that um, about 10, 11, 12 years ago, uh, I left a job in the middle of the school year uh, to leave North Carolina to go to Pennsylvania. And my daughter was in that class. And in the middle of my last day, um, one of my students, his name was Spike, stood up on his chair with a poem in his hand, got everybody in the class to stand up and read to me a version that he had written himself of, Oh, Captain, My Captain. um, (laughs) Which again was one of those amazing moments in my teaching life um, that I'll never, ever forget where my kids were showing me that they didn't want me to go and, Anyways, um, an amazing, amazing moment in my life and all inspired by, you know, the great Robin Williams. So that's my top five. Sorry, this is a little bit long, but, you know, as they say, Carpe <laughs> Peace today, boys. Do something extraordinary today. Peace.
2: <laughs> Thanks for that, Jim that's great yeah i mean just the fact that it had such an impact that maybe he wouldn't have been a teacher without it and yeah uh it's amazing jim thanks for sharing that it's really yeah, cool and it
1: was, you know very similar to what you said about it's like it's something that kind of sat with you ever since then and mm-hmm. jim just said the you know the exact same thing i'm starting to realize too i think one of the movies i need to go back myself and revisit is the fisher king because it yeah, has it has too. been a while since i've watched that and I completely forgot until Jim mentioned it, that that was directed by Terry Gilliam.
2: Oh, wow. I didn't realize that either.
1: Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Terry Gilliam from Monty Python fame, if anybody doesn't know.
2: And just uh, this incredible director. Yeah. Um, too.
1: Did another he direct
2: um, Time Bandits, I think? I,
1: he did direct Time Bandits. Yeah. And I think another movie that Robin actually has a cameo in, I, if I remember correctly, I'd have to look it up. Um, but The Adventures of Baron Mutchhausen.
2: Yeah, he directed that too. Okay. Yeah. Um it's a very very weird movie. Yeah. Um his movies are all weird, but they have such style to
4: them. Yeah.
1: That but yeah, yeah but yeah, Robin does have a a a cameo in that as well. So, he plays a floating head in space. <laughs> <laughs> um oh. but we do have one more voicemail and that comes from Friend of both Wilhelm and Podcastica, our friend Steve Brown.
0: Steve,
4: hello, Ben and Jason. This is Steve, and this is a uh, top five or however many. Like, I, I have to be honest, I haven't been. I'm not as uh, up to date with Robin Williams's movie, uh, you know, list. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you the ones that were memorable, memorable to me. And that stood out uh, that I really loved, and of course, "Good Morning Vietnam" with uh, just amazing, uh, amazing good movie. I, just, I still I used to this day uh, when someone says, uh, "What does three up and three down mean to you, airman?" and he says, "End of an inning." I just thought was great uh, mm-hmm. to the sergeant major of the army in that one. I remember that line uh, specifically uh, because I was an airman with an attitude for a little while uh, <laughs> in the Air Force, um, but. Uh, Uh, gosh, Dead Poet Society, another great one. I choose not to walk, sir. Oh, so wonderful. Uh, the, the things he's, the people he's, the characters he's portrayed, um, the Fisher King, probably the most tragic of all, uh, is an amazing movie as well that he was in. Um, I can't remember like one hour photo. I think I only saw that once. so I don't even remember if he was actually the killer in one hour photo or not, but I remember <laughs> thinking of that as a very memorable performance. But for me, probably the the top most uh, one that is memorable to me is his, uh, it was a small part, but it's there in dead again with Kenneth Branagh. Oh, that's uh, a good one. He does so yeah. good as the, the psychologist, psychiatrist who was disbarred. Uh, in that movie. Just such a great, again, dead again, uh, Robin Williams. It's a small part in the movie, but gosh, so pivotal. Um, anyway, yeah, those are the ones that I have really, really loved. Uh, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, it was Last a run by Fruiting. Yeah, I don't know. I, that one didn't really ever like speak to me, but uh, I've gone on now. It's almost two minutes. So uh, I'll let you guys go. I can't yeah, wait yeah. to hear what your, your favorite Robin Williams movies were talk to you later <laughs>
2: nice
1: not a big fan of of mrs doubtfire that's blasphemy
2: yeah you no. need to conform to the view of
1: <laughs> no he really doesn't <laughs> um dead again wow that's one i haven't watched in a long time um kenneth brenna emma thompson yeah his, yeah his role's not yeah again is not really that big in the movie but it's
4: mm-hmm.
1: again it's just
2: yeah it's such a great movie a good movie.
1: That's what, 91, I think? 91, 92? Yep. It's pretty right. early. Yep. So, uh, but thank you to everybody for the awesome feedback for this episode. Again, probably the most feedback I've received so far for any episode. And again, just goes to show you how much that means Robin meant to other people
2: yeah as well I, w- I also wouldn't be surprised if people know how much he meant to you and they're like well i want to get involved in this one
1: <laughs> I, I that might be the case as well but I'm, I'm you know if that is if that is the reason thank you uh, for all <laughs> of that as well um before we get out of here and we wrap things up uh, i want to give you an opportunity to tell people about podcastica what's going on over there what's you know what can people find and where can they find it
2: well, there's a writer's strike and there's no shows, so we're doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, we have a lot of shows that we cover. Uh, we go episode by episode, deep dives, and there's a lot of, uh, we're starting up Loki with Alex and Sydney and Kirk, and pretty soon there'll be an Ahsoka podcast with Jonathan, James, and Kristen, your co host for... Uh, yeah revisited, and those are going to be cool. Right now, I just started uh, The White Lotus, which is one of my favorite shows of the last few years. And um, so my wife and I and our friend Randy are covering – seasons one and two episode by episode and then we'll continue on with season three whenever that comes out if the writer's strike ever ends and we just were at the four seasons a couple nights ago where that most of the first season was filmed and it was incredible it was incredible (laughs) so those are a few things that are going on if you go to podcastica.com and just click the podcast button you can see um all the shows uh, ben guests with me on the cast of us where we covered the last of us and he recently took over to host for dead city walking dead dead city the negan and maggie spinoff and did an awesome job at that Thank you. and you got uh, other things going on there too uh, wh- um isn't um what's that fantasy show uh that you you do with wendy and greg oh
1: wheel of time yeah wheel which, of
2: time that's coming back pretty soon right? coming
1: back next month in september yeah, yeah. so that's coming uh, up. so we'll be covering that yeah uh there's uh, we tell people all the time kristen and i tell people and revisit it all the time because that's shared with podcast that if you mm. there's something for everybody over there yeah so You know, whatever shows you're into, there's, there's, there's something you can find something at
2: Podcastica. And we only cover shows that we're really into that we are excited about. It's not just like, let's get somebody to talk about this show. It's like, what do you really love and want to talk about? Plus we cover fear the walking dead. So that's (laughs) (laughs) one of the things we do. (laughs) We cover
1: shows we care about and fear the walking dead. (laughs) so yeah so podcastica.com ticket.com is, is as you mentioned is the best place to go click on podcasts and you'll see everything over there um as for wilhelm here uh you mentioned Kristen, my my co-host for the revisited podcast which is revisitedpod.com we're in the sixth and final season of lost in which you're going to be joining us in a couple weeks to talk about the series finale of yeah. the show uh and then mm-hmm. after that, we're shifting gears and we're going to start, we're going to go back and we're going to revisit Ted Lasso, which I know we're both really excited about
2: awesome, yeah.
1: being able to rewatch that show. And then as part of Wilhelm, Chris and I also do, uh, which we started a couple of weeks ago and we've already done a couple episodes, the Wilhelm movie swap, where we give each other a homework assignment of a movie we've never seen before. And then we come back the following week and we talk about it. And then we give each Um, other another
2: homework assignment for the next week. And you're brutally honest if you don't like it.
1: Yep. We are absolutely honest with each other. Um, We're trying to give each other movies. We think we would enjoy. Like we're not trying to. Not ones you would hate. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Cannibal Holocaust next week.
1: Oh God. (laughs) Like I'm not allowed to. She's not allowed to give me any Twilight movies. Um, (laughs) And I forget what are my restrictions for. I have. She gave me restrictions too. And I can't remember what they were off the top of my head. Um. (laughs) but yeah that's that's been a lot of fun and then and then also on, here on wilhelm i got a bunch of other stuff coming up uh, a couple panels i've done over the past couple months uh the audio of those are going to be releasing i guess like, i mentioned dante basco was supposed to be on i had a number of interviews set up but because of the strikes everything got got postponed definitely I, I was supposed to have dave coulier and mark summers on the podcast oh, yeah. and Um, Jason Manzukis, I was in talks with to come on as well. It's, you know, but it is what it is. Yeah, we'll find
2: stuff to keep putting out. And then once this is all over, we'll jump back on everything else.
1: Yeah, I got a ton of other top five episodes I want to do. So they'll be coming soon as well. And, um, so, uh, but Jason, I'm glad we finally got to do this. You too. We did it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so thank you for coming back on and, obviously being a guest on Wilhelm and talking about this and you know and uh yeah
2: but, I mean thanks for having me like when we did the Steve Martin episode and I was like, Oh, this is kind of a big task. I need to rewatch all these movies. Cause I've forgotten them. And it turned out to be a pleasure to revisit like movies that I've been wanting to go back and watch, but I'm just so busy. I don't have the pressure to do it to make me actually do it. And it was the same thing with this Robin Williams. It was a bunch of movies that I hadn't seen in many, many years, some since I was a kid. And it was just a real pleasure to, to go back and watch those and then to get to talk about it with you. So thanks, Ben.
1: Yeah, not a problem. I, I mean, and again, I've mentioned this before. That's one of the reasons why I created this podcast was one, to not only get to talk about movies that you know everybody loves and hear the differences of opinion on them, but also to, one, be introduced myself to movies I may have never watched because other people love them. Uh, and at the same time, give myself reason to go and watch movies that I've never seen before. Uh, prime example, when I did the George Clooney episode with my friend Lindsay, there were a number of George Clooney movies I had never seen that I thought, well, these might end up in my top five. I should probably watch them. And there were one or two movies I watched for the first time that actually ended up in my top five because yeah. I watched them. And it's I loved got some them.
2: good ones. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah, so thank you again for that uh, to everybody listening or watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you left feedback, uh, thank you for supporting the podcast. Wilhelmpodcast.com is where you can go to find everything, including ways to subscribe and watch if you aren't already. Uh, but other than that, again, thank you for thank you to Jason for, for coming on.
2: Cheers. Carpe diem, everybody.
1: <laughs> so we'll see you on another episode. Take care.